I want your fuck-ups and I want your mistakes. You and me can be big failures. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ooh, we can be big failures. Ooh, we can be big failures. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You Have Failed With Me. Sam Vader, where this week we will be discussing a rather broad topic. Now I think about it, we'll be discussing the MCU as a whole. Um, I probably will do, later down the line, more f- uh, film-focused episodes based on specific films, or maybe specific film uh, franchises, maybe, so it's like the different heroes. Haven't decided yet, but this episode in particular will be focused on the uh, the MCU as a whole. But as always, before I get kicked off with the main bulk of the episode, I would like to uh, just once again say we here at Sigil Arts do stand with the uh, Black Lives Matter campaign and uh, the issue we, we stand with the victims and hope for hope for change soon. Uh, but rather than repeating the same thing every week, let's get straight into the episode now. So, the MCU. Um... There's no way of denying it now. It's it's a juggernaut of of cinema. And I think I wanted to start off this week by discussing the comments. I think was it Martin Scorsese who said it, and um and the other fella, can't think of his name. Uh, the uh, Quentin Tarantino. That's the one. Oh, I forgot his name. He won't be happy about it. Not that he cares what I've got to say, but they uh they were the ones who famously I think it was last year after, conveniently after Endgame becomes the number one. Uh, f- grossing film in, in the entire world of all time conveniently come out saying that superhero films aren't real cinema and to that I say bollocks just because they have source material rooted in comic books you can't say they're not real cinema Teen Titans Go the movie wasn't real cinema because it has no character development but that's a different issue altogether of Teen Titans Go you can't say any of the MCU films aren't cinema because they do have character development. Yes, they do have big flashy CGI battles and big, you know, end pieces that are big flashy explosive and like big sci-fi battles tend to be. And as a sci-fi fan, that's fine. Um, saying they're not real cinema is a real... It's jealousy. They're jealous that none of their films have ever reached the number one highest grossing film of all time that's what i believe it to be and do they have a right to be jealous well no they've got successful films too it, it it's just stupid i because as far as i'm concerned cinema is well a cinema is a building to start but the whole point of films of cinema is is to tell a story that encaps that engrosses the the viewers and maybe they can relate to characters they can identify with and yes, the characters in the MCU are, range from raccoons to trees to gods to billionaires, right? But Iron Man, who is one of he's unbelievably rich. You know, I can find relations to, to Iron Man like in terms of... You know, I can relate to these characters. Despite the fact they're weird and wonderful, they're, they're relatable. And, you know, I can sit there and have escapism and, and enjoy it. If you're saying the MCU isn't cinema, then... If the, I hate to admit it, neither is the likes of your Star Wars. Any sort of Star Trek. These science fiction things, you know, weird, wonderful, where they 
take you to other worlds. They have big, massive set pieces normally set at the end of a film. You're calling all of that not real cinema. And that's that's their opinion, and it's fine to have an opinion, obviously. I'm not saying they can't have one. I'm just trying to say that I think their opinion is wrong. And yeah, who am I to comment on it? I'm I'm a guy who does a weekly podcast on the internet. No real credentials at the end of the day. But I suppose my credentials are, I watch these films. I, I was about to say I pay for them, but I work in the cinema, so I get my films for free. But that's... Saying they're not real cinema is crap. They've got character development. They move you. Like, if someone didn't cry during the I Am Iron Man bit of Endgame, they either don't care about the films or don't have a heart. Actually, even if they don't care, they don't have a heart. That bit was sad. Black Widow's death, tear jerking. When Peggy died in Civil War, by the way, spoilers. Like, you've got to realise that these are films. You get attached to these characters. You care what happens to them. You care. You go on the emotional journey with them. Iron Man's a big one, and I suppose this sort of links into what I was going to say about his character, so I can go along with it, is Iron Man has the obviously the longest arc in the MCU so far, because he was the first film, and he basically rounded off Endgame as well. He was the big focus of that film, really. So, and watching his story, watching him grow as a character, falter, fall, learn from it, you know, you learn a lot about him as a character, and you learn a lot about and you relate to him. You you feel sorry for him when you find out about his parents' death and every time you see him fail and he's just trying to do the right thing. It's it's a real story. And then Thor goes in the same sort of thing. You know, he was meant to be a great god and leader. But by Endgame, he realises that what he was meant to be isn't who he is. He's his own person. He can live his own life. Captain America, the man out of time. Like... He starts off, he doesn't know really what to do with his life, becomes a soldier, then that's all he knows. But eventually he finds the life he always wanted and needed with Peggy by the end of Endgame. And the reason I did sort of admit Tony is because I'm going into big details on Tony. I'm probably going into more with Cap as well because their relationship comes into it. But I think the point I've been trying to make for a very long time now is that the MCU is cinema. Yeah, it's ridiculous at times. Completely ridiculous. Guardians of the Galaxy is just an acid trip. Not as much as House of Holbein, but but an acid trip, right? And it <laughs> you just can't say it's not cinema, because then you've got things like The Winter Soldier, where that's a very dark and very spy-esque film. So is James Bond not? James Bond not cinema then? No? Yeah? I don't... Where do we draw the line? What is then cinema, what's not? Is it just their films at cinema? Or or do other categories come in? Is a comedy film not cinema because it's not serious and doesn't have dark, depressing, realistic moments? That's This is a completely different topic. And maybe when I can reunite with uh, Glitter and King's Eyes, maybe we can actually all sit down and do a group podcast where we, we sit down and we talk about what is real cinema. And this is an idea that has just come to me off the top of my head. And uh, guys, if you're listening... Hit me up if that's something you think we should do, like a, a group podcast where we all sit and talk about what is real cinema, because that is an interesting topic in itself. Um, so I will sort of leave that there for now in in the hopes that one day we can uh, get that going as an actual episode itself. Uh, but for now, let's get back to the MCU, and I've already mentioned it 
him, sorry. Uh, but we'll talk a bit about Iron Man, who is my favourite character in the MCU by a, a country mile. I love them all. There's not any of the heroes I think I dislike um, that I can think of at the top of my head. They're all brilliant. Um, but, yeah, Iron Man, despite having two films that I don't rate that high in the MCU, being Iron Man 2 and 3, Iron Man is my favourite character. I just, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, I like the slightly sarcastic, douchebag-esque characters. Um, he's basically the Kyber of the MCU. Maybe not as much of an asshole, but... I like those sort of characters because I'm a very sarcastic, sarky kind of person. Bit of a douchebag. So <laughs> I, I always, I like those sort of characters and Iron Man really resonated with me. But he is more than that. He's got so many layers to him. And you see that through the MCU. You meet him as this really arrogant, just arms dealer. He has a change of heart, literally. And uh, becomes Iron Man and decides to dedicate his life to saving the people that he's put in harm's way. Through just making weapons and not really thinking about the consequences. But then that leads to a complex that he develops that you see in later films that he's constantly trying to help people and right wrongs, but he's so paranoid and like, no, I need to save people. I need to, I need to do this, that he goes too far. He, he makes Ultron, he gets too paranoid and his paranoia becomes one of his greatest detriments. But actually one of the brilliant things that you see with Iron Man in the MCU is if something happens to him in a film, like he loses because of something or another or another. The suit's been upgraded in the next film to to be able to handle that. So you notice that in like he gets the nano stuff eventually to be able to, you know, survive. He gets the ability to be able to survive in space with it, go to space. He he upgrades his suit every time to be able to handle the thing. Like his final suit in Endgame, like it's built to obviously handle Thor's lightning better. Um, he loses to Bucky and Cap in Civil War in one-on-one -on -one combat. So with the nano suit, he upgrades it so he has an arsenal of weapons that he can fight hand-to-hand -hand combat with. You know, in, in Endgame, he builds it to... And this has been confirmed by Robert Downey Jr. And this is quite sad. That suit, the mark, whatever it was, in Endgame, was not designed for Tony to survive. He didn't design that with the intention of him surviving what was coming. He designed it with the intention of being able to, if he needed to, Use the stones to save the day. He 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 just knew. He knew that threat was coming from the start. That's why he built Ultron. He knew that the end game, as he says in in Age of Ultron, before he builds it all, he's like, that's the end game up there. Not before he's built Ultron by this point. He knows that the end game is up in space, and he he was always prepared, but to a paranoid amount, which you see in Iron Man three. He's paranoid. He's building all these suits because he's so afraid. He's so worried something's going to go wrong. He's got the PTSD from Avengers 1 where he goes into space and almost dies. Because he was used to dealing with real world problems, per se. You know, just terrorists and stuff. He was thrown into this world of gods, aliens and super soldiers as much as we were. And, and that arc is fantastic. And I remember after Endgame came out, maybe a month or so later, I went back and watched Iron Man 1. The first, like, so the first MCU film, and some of the lines are so, so poignant in what comes later, how he sacrificed himself. So, like you know, the, in the first one, he he realizes that he survived for he sort of survived for a reason, 
and you've got Yinsen who's like, you know, don't don't waste it, don't don't waste your life, Stark. And and Tony, well, he doesn't. He uses it to to save the universe. And then the bit that always got me, obviously not just the he loves cheeseburgers bit. But there's a bit where Pepper goes, and obviously I don't think this was even intended at the time. Like it, this wasn't couldn't have been if it was planned. Fucking brilliant! But they didn't know the MCU was going to take off like it did. So I don't know what was planned, what wasn't back in two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight being the release of the film. But there was a line where Pepper goes, "You're going to kill yourself, Tony, and I won't be a part of it." And obviously, in the end, he he does. He it's essentially a suicide thing that he does in in making the snap. But she was a part of it. She was there as as he eventually faded away. And the proof Tony Stark has a heart, which is the, uh, obviously what then goes out. They put his heart out on the river. And the thing is, he is then the heart of the MCU. He he was. And another weird little thing I saw, the bit in Endgame where they all put their hands in the middle, like before they go and time travel. If you actually count the hands, including Rocket's tiny one, it's the same amount of coils that are in that original arc reactor. So that was actually meant to be a representation of Tony's heart there, showing that his heart all along was the Avengers. That was where his heart was. Like They brought out the best in Tony, and he eventually made that that final sacrifice. And that final line, man, the I am inevitable, and I am Iron Man. It's just so... Oh, it's... Cause, Oh, I can't express how good it is because obviously it's a callback to the end of um, end of Iron Man, the first film. But it's so much more than that. Thanos thinks he's won. He, he's so cocky and I am inevitable. And then Tony, it, it's almost words of defiance and words of assurance. He's saying, look, you're inevitable, but bitch, I'm Iron Man. Like, it's sort of a way of saying, look, you can be whatever you want, but I'm Iron Man and I'm not losing this. Like, I'm winning. Like, it's such a Tony Stark thing to do. It's just that cockiness in the last moment. But not an arrogant, horrible cockiness. It's that confident, cool personality that he had showing through one last time. Like, look, you might be inevitable, but I'm Iron Man. I always will be Iron Man. You lose. It's over. It's your end game now, <laughs> which is then a payoff to, I suppose, when Thanos speaks to him in Infinity War and he's like, I hope they remember you. There's just so many things that just, when you watch it back, lead, I really lead into Tony's final sacrifice, a leading to his death, but not a tragic death, a death where he can finally, as Pepper says, he can rest now because as long as Tony Stark was alive, he wouldn't have stopped fighting to protect other people and keep them safe. He was he was a good guy at his heart. The only way to get him to stop was for him to die. So he finally got that rest he deserved. But what I always find really nice as well is is the line in, in the first Avengers, Avengers Assemble, where Cap basically calls Tony out saying, you know, you're just... You're not the guy to lay down the wire and let someone else crawl over you you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play tony then obviously responds by going that everything special about you came from a bottle you're you're a laboratory experiment and i like how both those lines were were paid off in the end that 
Cap proved he was more than just a laboratory experiment. It was his heart that made him a hero. A bit like Iron Man, I suppose, where he picked up Mjolnir and he was worthy. Then you've got the other side of it of, yeah, Tony does make the sacrifice play in obviously the first Avengers film as well. But he makes the sacrifice play in um, this is Infinity War, Endgame. He he does it. He They both prove each other wrong. Prove that Tony is willing to make the sacrifice play and Cap, Cap can, he's not just some laboratory test rat. But then the other thing I find about the two of them, Tony started out as a selfish, unwilling to make any sacrifice play, but sort of had the life he wanted. Cap, on the other hand, was willing to make all the sacrifice plays, willing to do that, but never had the life he wanted. But by the end, it's the other way around. Tony learnt from Cap and learnt, no, I've I've got to give up my life so that all these other people can live. And Cap does the opposite. He's like, no, it's time for me to, well, he says it himself, get that life that Tony was always telling me to get. And that, I think, touches me in a way that I, whenever I hear that line, and you might interpret it differently, I hear that and I think that, that is Cap's way of honouring Tony's memory. That's the best way I can put it. He decided to go and get that life because Tony gave his. The way I read into that line is that Tony's always been telling me to get a life and, and in the end he was willing to give his so that I could live. It, I think it's his way of saying that I'm not going to waste the life that Tony has given me by giving his own life. I'm going to go and, and live my life to the best I can in honour of my fallen friend. That's how I've always viewed the line. You could view it differently and that's okay, but that's that's how I see Cap's decision at the end. Um, and their, their parallels and everything is perfect, even in Civil War. Civil War, I think, is the best set-up film ever because... That's what Civil War is. It, it's a film made to, to set up for Infinity War. However, it's also a fucking awesome film. Um, a better Avengers film than Age of Ultron, despite not really being an Avengers film, or technically not being an Avengers film anyway. And and it's just, it's an amazing film. And ironically, I saw an interview where Kevin Feige actually said that when Iron Man started out, the fit this was around the time that Civil War was coming out as a comic book and Kevin Feige actually said like, oh, I really wish we could get to something like that someday. So he was so proud when he actually got to make a Civil War storyline. But I think the real brilliance of Civil War, sorry, I've got a bit of a, I'm a bit blocked up from hay fever and everything. If that's why I'm, I'm stuttering a bit and probably sound a little bit nasal. But um, the, the best bit, I think for me, is the tagline of Civil War, not saying the film's, not fantastic. But the tagline is is the real setup here for Infinity War and Endgame. Because you guys don't know the tagline for, for Captain America Civil War. It is United we stand, divided we fall. Which at the time we just thought was a whole oh yeah, you know, when the Avengers are assembled, they're fantastic, brilliant, good for them, they're gonna win. But divided, they'll fight between themselves and you know, it's like divide and conquer. But then you go to watch Infinity War and they're not assembled. Tony's the caps that aren't on speaking terms, they all get separated. And separated, they lose. Thanos decimates them, he gets the stones and wipes out half of life. But switch to Endgame, they're back together, the band's back together, the team's back together. 
so yeah, divided, they got their asses kicked. But United, they kicked ass. It's, you know, to quote the uh, theme tune for the Avengers Assemble TV show that came out years and years ago. Uh, or it was called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, actually. It's a uh, Assembled We Are Strong, Forever Fighters One. And that it's true that the Avengers are strongest when they're together. And that's why I think the tagline of Civil War is fantastic, because it was foreshadowing what was to come all along. Yeah, Endgame had been foreshadowed years and years back. Uh, Age of Ultron 2, I think. Age of Ultron 2, because that's a film. Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, was, I think, the first foreshadowing where Iron Man, as I said earlier, says, up there, that's the end game. But, no, the tagline for uh, Civil War is by far, I think, one of the cleverest bits of foreshadowing in film. Might not be intentional, but it's what it's what happened. And uh, speaking of assembling, uh, can we just take a moment to appreciate how awesome that, that scene was in Endgame? Like, the whole build-up where it's like, on your left and like found and it's like ah that's a payoff all the portals open all the heroes come back and it's everyone's like there Iron Man gets a piece of his pepper and it's like oh what's gonna it's like dun 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 then Thanos is looking you see Thanos look at Cap and he's sitting there thinking Loki told me there was only six what the fuck is this Right, because this is like 2014 Thanos. He's only dealt with uh, the first Avengers, you know, so far. So he's like, what the fuck? Fucking, that's more than six. Cap's looking at him like, yeah, I'm about to kick your arm, motherfucker. But he keeps going like, duh, duh, Avengers, Assemble. I'm not going to sing the whole Avengers song, but oh my god, that bit is just. And then watching them all just just charge into battle, like the the Avengers. You oh, I love the Avengers, and I think it was. I suppose it was mean, but one thing that really stood out was. Once again, they, they used the theme tune for um, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Brilliant show, and the theme tune's actually quite cool. I quite like the theme tune, to be fair. Um, but it's a picture of Iron Man just flying in Avengers 1. Not Avengers 1, sorry, Iron Man 1. And uh, then the next one was him flying, because he's sort of still at the front when leading the charge. He's, he's flying just slightly in front, but with obviously all the other Avengers around him and behind him. And the caption was... Uh, I was standing on my own, but now I'm not alone, which is the lyrics from the song, as I said before. I was standing on my own, but now I'm not alone. Avengers, assemble. Sorry. I'm in a singing mood, apparently. It's been a long day, a weird day, but I'm not going to go into my personal issues. But what I am going to go into is the sponsor for the week, which is King's Styles Apparel. Shit, I can never remember the full name of that. But it is on the King's Eyes website where you can go and shop for any of the collections that have been uploaded or will be uploaded in the future, depending on when you're listening to this, including my very own T-shirt. It's got references to the show. It's got inside references that I can explain if you really want me to, but 
Frog Ninja is his own thing that will get his own episode, maybe of this. Maybe I'll just do something else with Frog Ninja. He's special. It's a brilliant shirt, well designed by King's Eyes himself. He's done a fantastic job with it. Can't wait to get my hands on one myself. And uh, yeah, go check out the store. There are other collections other than mine, obviously, but you're listening to me, so you really want my shirt the most. And uh, we'll get back to the crux of the episode, which is the MCU Mother Truckers. I am in a weird mood today. But you know what? At least we don't have Shay here this week to just lower the intelligence of everyone in the room and everyone who's listening with his dim-witted fuckery. I love my brothers, really. No, I don't. Yes, I do. You can decide for yourself after how I treated him last week. But he does report that the tooth that I accidentally knocked into place is still in place. I should be a dentist. Anyway, MCU. So I've said who my favourite uh, MCU character is. Uh, but now we should talk about, I suppose, what my favourite MCU film is. And I try and split this into two categories because the Avengers films, I feel like being the big ensemble pieces they are, shouldn't really be allowed to compete with the others. So I'll do my favourite just regular MCU film. Then my favourite of the four Avengers films. So my favourite MCU solo outing film is, drumroll please, Thor Ragnarok. Now I know what you're thinking, but Iron Man's not even in that one. And and you're right, he's not Um, random internet viewer person whose voice sounds nothing like that. But do you want to know why Thor Ragnarok is my favourite? Well, that would be good, because you just said so, and I'm very confused. Well, of course you're confused, because you're a failure too, and you don't know where your life's going. But that aside, thank you for the questions, by the way. It's nice to be interacted with. You're welcome. I'm going insane. Anyway, Thor Ragnarok. No, I I'm I appreciate comedy. I'm I'm very... I like to laugh, um, normally at people, um, just point and laugh. Um, but I do love a good comedy, and Thor Ragnarok... Yeah, I had me laughing from start to finish, you know, with the whole Serta, son of a bitch, and that's what heroes do when you're smacked in the face of a ball. Loki, look, he's a friend from work. Loki, look who it is. Like, I'm not going to go into full details with the film because, once again, that'll probably be one of the ones that gets its own episode because um, I just love Fall Ragnarok. It's fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a brilliant film. Chris Hemsworth. I thought like the other two Thor films were too serious and Shakespearean. Whereas in this one, Chris Hemsworth got to flex not just his regular muscles, which by the way are massive. Honestly, I have not seen muscles for that big. It's fucking fantastic. It makes old girls swoon. And and a lot of men. Like, you know, he's a very good looking guy. Like, he's a very good looking guy. I, I don't, you know, I'm straight, but even I can admit. He's a very good-looking man. But anyway, enough about how attractive Chris Hemsworth is and how jealous I am of that fact that how come men like him exist? But he's a fantastic Thor. And in this film, he really gets to stretch that those, those comedy muscles as well as, as I say, everything he's done before and... Before? <laughs> Get it? Shut up. And, um, yeah, it's just a fantastic, funny film, and he's brilliant. Mark Ruffalo's brilliant. Jeff Goldblum, whenever he does a film, is brilliant. Tessa Thompson was fantastic. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, as always. And Kate Blanchett played quite a good villain. One of the best MCU villains, actually. Because she actually got character development. So Thor's doing well for a good villain so far. Because between Loki and Hela, 
Like he's got the only two MCU villains that have any character development other than Thanos. But uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of Thanos, it's time to find out what my uh, favorite Avenger film is. I say speaking of Thanos because that's not a spoiler. He's technically in all four of them. Two in end credit scenes, and then obviously he's kind of a big deal in Infinity War and Endgame. Now we'll do a drum roll again. It's Avengers Assemble. Um, don't get me wrong. I think from a technical point of view and in terms of spectacle, Avengers Endgame is the best. But it's not my favourite. It's like with, I think I said in my Star Wars episode, Empire Strikes Back is my favourite film of all time. But I don't think it's the, the be- in terms of technical and all the payoffs it has and everything, Endgame is probably the best film of all time, in my opinion. But it's not my favourite in the MCU or outside. In the MCU, it's it's Avengers Assemble. I don't know if it's because I've got more nostalgia attached to that one. But I remember Avengers Assemble was the first MCU film I remember seeing in the cinema. I remember going to see it. I remember seeing the trailers for it, thinking that's sick, I need to go and see it. And going to see it multiple times. Avengers, it was just... It was the first time anything like that was tried. So, you know, the on-screen universe, you'd had these separate films that were clearly linked, but this is the first time coming together, and this was the first time any studio had tried anything like it. And and there were so many people at the time were going, no, it's going to fail, it's not going to work, it's not going to be successful, you can't join up multiple films into one. It's not not if they're not linear and in, like, a trilogy, you can't do it, it's not going to work. And uh, Avengers Assemble came out, and uh, it switched up the whole game. Suddenly, everyone wanted to get a cinematic universe, and so far, no one else has pulled it off. Just, just, just Marvel. You could argue Harry Potter with the Fantastic Beasts, but I wouldn't say they've done the same thing because they haven't done a unification of it yet. Um, obviously, the MonsterVerse are going to try soon with the uh, King Kong and Godzilla film. They're going to do the King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, the J- DC tried. Um, and and failed with Justice League. Um, DC will get its own episode because I don't hate on DC like a lot of people do. I love DC. Batman's my favourite superhero. But I do have problems with the DC films and ways I think they could be improved. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, Justice League was a fucking mess. Um, For its own reasons, you know, you you can argue it was the whole director thing, and so I'm not going to slander it and slate it off too much, especially in an MCU one. But... All I'm trying to demonstrate is no one's pulled off quite what Marvel did with Avengers Assemble and then all the ones since. And I think for me, that's why, yes, Endgame is the best, but my favourite, disregarding runtime as well. If you were to ask me which one would I would just want to put on just casually, it'd be the first one every single time. I just love it. I love that first Avengers film. It's just so, because it was a risk. By Endgame, you you know it's going to be a thing. But at the time, it was a risk. You didn't know if it was going to be good, if it was going to work. But they balanced it just right. They got that right mix of character and humour. And all the characters felt important, except for Hawkeye. But that continued through the rest of the MCU. He just wasn't important. You know, all the other six Avengers get at least one film. Hawkeye gets a TV series. Good job, man. You're basically Green Arrow, but worse. That's, that's, it's, it's true. But, um, yeah, that, that first Avengers film, man, that was definitely, 
it's just my favourite. And you can disagree. You can think Age of Ultron was better, but I'd give you a funny look for that. You could say Infinity War was better. I completely get it. You can say Endgame was better. I completely get it. You could say that the Avengers films aren't your favourite in the MCU. You can say it was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Once again, I disagree with you. But Ant-Man and the Wasp isn't a bad film, and if that's what you enjoyed, that's what you enjoyed. And I think that's my my personal favourite thing about the MCU when it comes down to it. It's the fact that there's something for everyone. It's, yes, don't get me wrong, as a whole, it's it's very light in tone. It's very light toned, except for that bit where you watch, you know, Tony's parents have the shit beaten out of them by Bucky. And and Winter Soldier's not quite a light-hearted film either. But there's a bit for everyone. You've got that sort of spy thriller. You've got your blatant comedies. You've got, you know, your action. You've got your more sci-fi. You've you've got your more war-based stuff in, in the first Captain America film. You, you've got your big crossovers, which is sort of the thing that they started anyway. You've, you've got everything. You've got representation of everything. You've got trees that talk. You have car chases. You have space battles. You, you, you've got everything. You've got drama. You've got romance. You've got comedy. You, there's nothing you can't enjoy in the MCU. Unless you just don't have a soul and you don't you don't find funny things funny. If you don't find funny things funny, you're not going to enjoy the MCU and uh, you're not going to enjoy life. Um, <laughs> tell me wrong, if you don't enjoy the MCU because those films aren't your type of genre, that's fine. But if you don't like it because you don't find it funny, really? Go watch Thor Ragnarok again. You'll be wetting yourself. It it's a good film. Thor Ragnarok is the only MCU film my mum has seen the whole way through. Not because she doesn't enjoy them, but she doesn't have time to sit down and watch films a lot. So she'll normally just sit down and if we're watching it in the living room or something, just sit down and watch. But we'll be halfway through, so she or we'll be starting and she'll have to leave halfway through. So she'll either have to watch the first half of a film or the end half. Like I've right, she had seen most of Endgame, but she, she she hasn't seen it. She hasn't seen the Avengers Assemble bit. Literally, she has not seen, like, from that onwards. But she knows Iron Man dies because I cried about it when I came home. I was like, Mum, Iron Man die. I was devastated, honestly. Literally devastated when Iron Man died. You don't understand. Every time I watched it, I cried. Every time I thought about it, I cried. It was manic. I got my phone. I don't have that phone anymore. This is a new phone. I had an Iron Man. I had bought myself an Iron Man phone case. It's a memorial to the guy. I love Iron Man. He's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so Thor Ragnarok. I go on so many tangents. 40 minutes. I don't know if it's enough for my brain to process all of my tangents. But yeah, Thor Ragnarok is literally... Thor? Thor Ragnarok. I'm Thor. Why? Well, you don't want to know that. Jesus Christ. I don't know why I, I keep this stuff in. I think it's because you guys just enjoy my random jokes and where my mind goes. I'm sorry. Not sorry about what I said. Anywho, yeah, so Thor Ragnarok is the only MCU film. I'll get there eventually. That my mum has seen the whole way through. She Even she was wetting herself. Don't get me wrong. She was also, like, dribbling over Chris Hemsworth. But, honestly, she found that hilarious. And that's what I mean... You, 
you can't not like Marvel for the humor. If you don't, you don't have a soul. You can not like Marvel because you don't like superhero films, or if you're an ass like Quentin Tarantino and the other one, Scorsese, you think they're not real cinema because they're wrong. Um, and, you know, you just might not like superhero films or sci-fi films, or, and that's fine. It really is. But don't say you don't like it because the humour, because you'd be wrong. And as I say, it's the only film universe that's worked. Even Star Wars didn't really work because Solo did that bad in cinema. It didn't take off, and which is a shame because Solo was okay. But then Disney are bringing out all their TV shows for for uh, Star Wars. So I don't know where that's going. Speaking of Star Wars, though, this is relevant to the MCU, 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 MCU that... Uh, do you notice how Rise of Skywalker basically ripped off Endgame from the whole, you know, people, loads of people arriving to help fight the bad guy last minute with the theme tune blaring to the whole I am inevitable, I am Iron Man versus I am all the Sith and I am all the Jedi. <laughs> like, Rise of Skywalker blatantly ripped off Endgame but did it worse. Good job, Disney. You're literally plagiarising your own films, but worse. You've put in DreamWorks out of a job. <laughs> oh, that's actually quite a low blow. I'm sorry. I, I like DreamWorks. Shrek's fantastic. Um, Kung Fu Panda's quite funny too. Um, um, I'm sorry, DreamWorks. That was that was a dig. Not that you're listening. Or, or care, much like the directors I called out earlier. I don't know why I'm apologising to people who are never going to hear this or even give a shit what my opinion is. Let's face it, most of you viewers probably don't give a shit what my opinion is. You're just sitting here thinking, I wonder what this idiot's going to talk about this week. How many things is he going to fuck up? And that's what it's like to be a failure. Unlike the MCU, which is just probably the best-selling cinema franchise of all time, like a film franchise of all time. If it's not, I'd be shocked. It's got 23 films. One's the highest grossing film of all time. I don't see any other film franchises outselling just on film alone. Just on the films alone. I don't see any outselling the MCU. Star Wars might win if you include merchandising, but film alone, the MCU's won by a country fucking mile. But for a reason... And this is where, sort of linking back to the start with the whole it's not real cinema thing, but legions of fans still go and see it. It makes the money because people enjoy it. It's brilliant escapism. It, it's fun. It, and you just enjoy the ride. You know, and that's what the MCU has been up to this point. That's what the Infinity Saga has been. It's just been one hell of a fun ride to be on. And I'm, I'm glad I, I got on the ride and have enjoyed it this far. And I hope I keep enjoying the MCU into the future. Black Widow looks sick. Um, not just Scarlett Johansson's in it and, and she's really good looking, but because it looks like a really good film, like all MCU films have been, even the worst MCU films are not horrible films. The worst one I'd say personally is Thor, the dark world. And yes, while that is a bad um, film, especially by MCU standards. It's not a bad film. Like There are much worse films out there. I think mm, maybe I'd rather watch The Dark World than The Last Jedi. No, I'd definitely rather watch Thor The Dark World than The Last Jedi. So there are much worse films out there. You know, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that exists. We try and forget it, but it does. Jurassic World, th not Jurassic World 3, Jurassic Park 3, 
Jurassic World 2. We've all got films we wish didn't exist. Um, Justice League, you know, it, it didn't work for the many reasons that were out of the film's control. Having two directors, well, two directors directing at different points, but keeping some of the footage but then changing the other. It was, I don't know why DC did that. Um, well, I, I know the reasons why, but it, it, it's still stupid. Um, and, and yeah, the MCU has done something that, to this point, hasn't been replicated. DC tried and have, to this point, failed. I'm not saying all their individual films are bad. They have some amazing ones. Wonder Woman was good. Shazam was quite funny. Aquaman was all right. Um, you know, and I'm sure they'll have other brilliant ones in future. The Batman film looks interesting with Robin Pattinson. But in terms of bringing their heroes together in, in a group film, it didn't work. The Monsterverse is trying it, but I don't see it being anywhere near as big. Star Wars tried it and has failed so far, but with the start of The Mandalorian, they're taking that to the television, I suppose, and you've got Clone Wars as well. But it, there's been nothing, and Harry Potter just hasn't had a big... It can't because of the way it's done it, and that's why I wouldn't call it a film verse in the same way. But you haven't had a big big join-up thing. Transformers, all those live-action films are god-awful anyway, so why do I count them? You know, the MCU, the point I'm making is has done something that hasn't been replicated, or at least not well, up to this point. It took time to build to what it got, and, and, it's, and it's earned its rewards. You know, Endgame was 11 years in the making, but it's earned it because it worked its arse off to get there. So for the fact that it's done something so extraordinary that clearly shouldn't have worked. The MCU, by all statistics, would be called an anomaly and a fluke because anyone else who has tried hasn't succeeded in pulling it off. So for all accounts, it's a fluke. It was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have worked. But it did. And my God, am I and so many billions of trillions of people around the world are so so glad that it worked and yeah was it one in a million yeah i'm glad it was that one in a million because the mcu is fantastic there is no way on earth that i could ever ever say the mcu failed up to this point anyway i don't know where it's going from now on but if if it keeps going the way it is the mcu will be going until they choose to end it and and that's a franchise that you know is good and if you haven't watched the films I would say go watch them, but I've spoiled most of the good bits, um, or most of the key points. But and if you have seen them before, go back and watch the MCU. We're still in lockdown; we haven't completely left it yet. And if you have, watch it anyway. Who needs a job, right? The MCU is fantastic. It 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 hasn't been replicated to this point. It it can't be beaten in its category. I hope DC starts to fight back, but the MCU is miles ahead at the moment. And that's, I think, why DC should focus on its own thing and not the MCU. Um, but yeah, the MCU is, is its own thing now. It, I love it. If you don't love it, that's great, but you should love it. Um, Iron Man is the best Avenger. Fight me, he is. Don't, don't disagree because you're wrong. Um... <laughs> And yeah, thank you, thank you so much for listening to my to my really inconsistent rant, which is I suppose what you do weekly now. But once again, 
At least we don't have the brain dead Nimrod next to me. So thank you so much for listening. And I really appreciate it because we have recently reached over 200 lifetime uh, listens. They said views, but I didn't. I said listens. So that is amazing. Thank you so much over these, what, 20, what, this will be 21 episodes now. Reaching over 200 listens. That's over 10 an episode at this point because no one's listened to this yet. Well, I suppose you are listening to it now. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for the support. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you next week, guys. Speak to you then.